Hi, this is Anthony Esposito from the infamous Ace Freely Band. Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. Hi, this is Bruce Hewitt. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey everyone, this is Dave Menachetti from YMP. This is Dave Star from Wildstar. What's up, this is Doc Coyle from the band Gothabit. Alright, this is Jason from uh, Kings of Modesty. What's happening? This is Jeremy Goldberg from Age of Evil. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey, what's up? This is Mercedes from Kitty. I'm Rasmus Bluberg from New Keepers of the Water Towers. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owen. Hey, this is Steven from I Wrestled the Bear Once. Hey, this is Sarah. And this is Ivy. And we're half of Kitty. Hey, this is Wolf from the Chariot. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hi, this is Robert Flashman. Hey, everybody. This is Bobby Rock. Hey, this is Zach from Nonpoint. Hey, this is Frank from New Revolution. And you're listening to. Mars Attack. Hey, this is Robbie Crane from Rat, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Go get it. Hey, what's up? This is Joe from Misery. Hey, this is John from Misery. Hey, this is Dan Lorenzo from Hades. Nonfiction, The Curse, and my horrible solo music. You're listening to my boy Victor on Mars Attack. G'day, this is Dice from Avon, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Keep rocking. Okay, this is Patrick from Heaven Below. You're listening to Mars Attack. Uh, hey, what's up? This is Liam from Cancer Bat, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Hey, what's up? This is Jose from Bonnet by Blood, and you're listening to Mars Attack. This is Chris from In This Moment, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Ron Bender for Fall of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, everyone, this is your host, Victor, and welcome to another edition of Mars Attacks Podcast. This is episode number 15, and during this episode, we will have the last gentleman that we heard there in the chain of IDs. That is Ron Bumblefoot-Thal from GNR, and you'll hear exactly why I'm referring to the band as GNR during the interview. I will also touch upon a bunch of different things, including the re-release of The Adventures of Bumblefoot, which will be coming out in August. And you'll hear about Ron's involvement with the MS Research Foundation, uh, differences between touring and recording with GNR as opposed to his solo material. Um, we'll also talk about Guitar Suck, the track that we're hearing behind us at the moment, how that will be coming to a video game console shortly. And uh, we'll also talk about um, foods, different ideas that Ron has. And uh, a bunch of other shenanigans that take place uh, throughout Ron's world, throughout uh, GNR, and we'll also touch upon the production work that he's done, most notably with uh, the Talking Metal guys for their Talking Metal on Fuse show. So, without further ado, what we're gonna, what we're going to do, excuse me, is get into a track by Bumblefoot. This is coming off of Abnormal, and the name of this track is Glad to Be Here, uh, which is sort of, um, I'd say, perfect uh, for, for being on the show. Uh, the lyrics are uh, very serious if you uh, listen to them. So, without further ado, Glad to Be Here by Bumblefoot, and then we'll jump into the end. It doesn't matter what I say, they all made up their minds I didn't like it then, and I still don't like it now I find the strength to smile somehow and say I'm so glad to be here, I could jump off every bridge But everybody's got a 
On the phone, we have, given from the picture that I'm staring at right now, one of the most serious men in all of music. <laughs> we have Ron Bumblefoot Thal on the phone. Hey! And uh, we're going to touch on a, a bunch of different things. And uh, as we were saying, there we go. We're going to see how many people we can uh, piss off in the process, as, as we've said, uh, uh, off phone. So <laughs> um, let's see some of my uh, vague GNR questions here. I, we were just Did talking you... about you touring. Um, what was the first difference that you noticed touring with GNR as opposed to any other tour that you did previous to that? Well, every tour I did previous to that, I would lug my own gear. <laughs> uh, I would, you know, set it up on the stage. I would, uh, you know, after the show, I would hang out at the edge of the stage and just sign shit and talk to people and take pictures for like two hours and then grab a bunch of people and we would hit a diner until the sun came up and then I would drive for 10 hours or the driver would drive for 10 hours, and I would sleep on a pile of equipment in the back of the van, coughing my lungs up because everybody's got the flu in the van and keeps passing it back and forth to everybody. And we do that for a month, come home with 300 bucks, and then do it again. And I would, um, I would try and move equipment, and, and the production manager would start yelling at me, Don't touch anything, you break a finger, we're out of a job, blah, blah. <laughs> And I yelled back, I've been doing this for 30 years, I never broke a finger, don't fucking worry about it, you know, and that kind of shit. So, I mean, it's totally different. Um, with GNR, I don't have to sleep on a pile of equipment unless I choose to, but I am offered a bed, which is nice. Um, what else? Uh, it's not three-person to a hotel room, I actually have my own room. Uh, you know, things like that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a different level of things. Does, um... How does that affect you personally? I mean, you're at both ends of spectrum there. I mean, like most bands, you feel both ends of the spectrum. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that you obviously appreciate being on that one end where, although you'd like to lug some equipment around or whatever, you obviously uh, like being pampered in, in in that way. If not, you wouldn't be doing it. I mean, honestly, the pampering, I just deal with, but it's not... <clears throat> that, that's not what's important to me, and I've done this for so long that I don't I don't need any pampering. If anything, pampering takes your edges off and and makes it dull. Uh, you know, I. What was the question again? <laughs> the, 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 the differences <clears throat> b between. Uh, yeah, the differences. The differences yes. between everything. Um, other differences is that you know, with my own things when I would be touring. Everything rested on my shoulders. I bared the burden. I carried the weight of everything. Where if anyone fucks up, you know, it was, oh shit, you know, don't see Bumblefoot. They're bad live, you know, that kind of thing. Like it was all on me. And I was the guy on the microphone. I was the one that had to worry about everything. I was the one taking care of business. I was taking care of all of that. With GNR, um, I have to sort of force myself not to get involved and just play guitar. And that's a totally different thing. I feel wrong. I feel like I'm not doing enough. But then, you know, after years of doing it, you realize that there's different elements of crap that you put up with that you get paid for instead. Mm -hmm. It's like, with anything you do, it's like, making music I would do for free. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's putting up with bullshit and putting up with stupid stuff that you get paid for. And no matter what you're doing, no matter what level it's at, there's always shit like that. Yeah. Just, you know, just, I truly like, uh, I think there's like a meteor storm of just, you know, big asteroids and just lumps of bullshit <laughs> that are just falling out of the sky towards you, trying to hit you, and you just try not to get distracted and bombarded by them. Well, you are getting bombarded. You just, you know, you just try not to let it get to you. Right. But, I got you. I mean, that's with anything. You know, at some, to some degree, everything is always like that. So, right. yeah, you know, so basically, um, same shit, just different scenario. I mean, just like anything in life. And in the end, I'm still, you know, my feet are on a stage. And I'm still playing guitar. And whether it's 100 people or 100,000 in front of me, I'm doing the same thing. And it doesn't feel that different. I thought maybe I would be so like, you know, blown away. Oh my God, I'm playing this huge stage and, you know, big stage. You just get to run around and burn more calories. Right. No smaller stage. You get to just slam into the guys around you and, and get in the faces of the people in front of you. Right. But, um, you know, is what it is. And it's all just part of the same whole, the same entirety uh, one, you know, I'd be, I'd feel kind of empty if I didn't have one of those things, you know, if all I did was GNR and I never did anything that was very personal, I would feel empty. I need to do that stuff. Just, you know, not everyone feels that way, but for me, I don't feel like I'm having a complete music making experience unless I'm one-on-one with people and get to talk with them and see the faces and and share the experience with the people I'm making music to and for and with. Gotcha. So, yeah. So that's why I'm always booking these meet and greets and trying to do things. And I'll hang at the hotels or just hang with people outside the venue after the show, whatever it is. Because to me, that's just a normal part of what you do and, and should do. And it's what I like to do. Actually, whether you should do it or not is what I like to do. And I'm going to keep living the way I want to live. And I'm going to compromise that as little as I can and as little as I have to. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Was there anything that could prepare you for GNR fans before actually joining the band? <laughs> actually, I did have a little preparation because we first started talking about me playing with them two years before I did. Huh. We started chatting in the summer of 2004. And back then... Um, when we were just on the talking stage, some rumors got out, and I had some interaction with GNR fans and saw just how passionate and insane and rabid for information that they are. And you know what? It's really good that they're like that. It's good that a band has fans that care that much. Right. Um, yeah, sometimes it could go overboard, but you know what? It's nice that they care. So, Good. Good thing. Could be worse. They could ignore you, right? Yeah, they could not give a fuck. And it sucks <laughs> going to, you know, to an empty arena. That's no good. So, yeah. At any point, does it get uh, annoying being being compared to other guitarists that have been in the band? Well, uh, I mean, you know, I don't think about it. And I'm sure no other guitar players that have ever been in the band think about it. Like, we're all just musicians, and we do what we do. We don't think about the whole, you know, WWE wrestling characters. This is the good guy, and that's the bad guy, and this one versus that one, and all that kind of shit. Right. Um, that's for people that just want a real extra entertainment to go along with their entertainment. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, uh, I don't think about that shit. Um, when people compare, that, you know, if that's what they want to do, fine, but I don't give a fuck. You know, it doesn't change anything about anything. You know, it doesn't change the past, doesn't change the present. Um, it's just, you know, them, if they want to live in that little cartoon world, cool. You know, compare everything to everything. But, you know, just a little note to those listening, you know, it doesn't get you very far. Right. You know, there's no point in it. You know, I guess if you want to make the comparisons, but it really doesn't accomplish much. And, and especially if you bring it to the people you're comparing, it just makes you look like a dick. Right, right, you know, right. It's just like, you know, get, get a fucking life. Like, you really want to just go up to someone and and sort of objectify them and, and make those comparisons. It's like, tell you what, I'm going to ask your girlfriend whose dick was better. And then I'm going to let you know, you know. Of all her exes, and then I'll let you know. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's like you—you you don't want to think about it, and I don't want to think about it. It's—it just—it doesn't help the music. Right. So fuck it. So yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And speaking about um, other guitars that have been in the band, um, you've actually had to play with a bunch of different guitars while in GNR. Uh, what type of an adjustment is it on your end? Um, playing with different people that have come in and out of the band? Because obviously every guitarist is different, so everyone's going to approach something different. Uh, you as a player, what do you have to adjust when new people come in and out of the band? Uh, not too much. I mean, it, it all depends on how much preparation we had together, how much we get to know each other, how much we get to coordinate what each of us are doing together. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm doing my thing, they're doing their thing, we do it together. Uh, doesn't make that much of a difference. I mean, it's just fun to be on the road with different people and get to know people and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, bond with them musically and have those cool moments that you have. You know, there were times when, like, me and Fortis are doing some, like, a little acoustic thing and and just trading off spontaneous, improvised little riffs back and forth. And some of those things are fucking great. Other times, you know, uh, playing with DJ and we're just kind of harmonizing each other's parts and stuff. Or, uh, you know, things that we did with Robin or, or even when, uh, when Izzy was on tour. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes backstage just jamming to old songs and just working out fun little stuff. Um, it's all different, you know. We're all different people. And <laughs> like we were just saying, I don't compare. And I can't compare. It's like I just see them as individuals, and um, there's not much difference. Like I'm still doing what I'm doing, and and right. they're doing what they're doing for the music, and there's not really a lot of adjustment. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's actually it's easier than it might seem from the outside. Like you see three guitar players playing at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of people ask me, "What's it like playing?" You know, "How come you have three guitarists in the band?" And I always tell them, "It's like, well." Fourth guy couldn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) There was a problem with his passport, so he got stuck with three. Well, that's that's interesting. You know, you look at all these orchestras. You know, they have a Barry sax player, an alto sax player, this and that. You know, no one ever questions how many trumpet players are in so and so's orchestra. Why does there have to be a set number of guitars? What's it like playing with ten violin players? I guess it's the fact that usually, you know, when it comes to guitar, it's often a lead instrument. It's a kind of vocal instrument. It is a point of focus. 
And sometimes the more people you have doing that, the more it can blur the focus. So I guess some people, they, you know, when it comes to what they're used to or they're comfortable with or just what they want, mm -hmm. a lot of times they just, you know, want it to be more clarified. It's like, you're the drummer, you're the bassist, you're the guitarist, you're the singer, you're the keyboardist, and keep it like that. Though with GNR, everyone has their moment and we each leave space for Hello? Wait, can you still hear me? Yeah, it cut out for a second, but I can hear you now. Fuck! All right, um, yeah, with GNR, actually, it was good that each person gives each other their moment, and we kind of just take a step back when each one is taking their moment so that it doesn't become a big mess. And that's one thing that we worked on a lot when we were rehearsing in 2009 with DJ, and he first joined up. Like, we were just working on ways to make sure that when somebody's supposed to be the focal point, they are, and it doesn't become just a big mess of things going on on stage. And I think we did pretty well with that. I think the, uh, when we started touring again in, in last December, uh, it was definitely the, uh, you know, the best we sounded. It's, you know, it's because we put in the time. We were able to right. put in the time. We had enough time to put in the time to do that. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, for you personally, what was the hardest song for you to learn out of the entire band's repertoire? Or was something that you worked on off the last album the hardest thing you had to learn? Uh, a lot of the Chinese stuff was tricky, just figuring out which parts to do, because there were some songs where like, I might have laid three of my own guitar parts, plus there's like two other parts from this guy and two parts from that guy, and knowing which ones to play and coordinating that with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I made that double neck guitar so I could be switching between my fretless parts and fretted parts and singing back in vocals at the same time and working that out. I would say some of the songs like Shackler's Revenge mm -hmm. and Scraped, those are probably the tougher ones. And a lot of it isn't because of one singular part that's going on. It's the fact that I have to do a lot of switching between parts and wearing different hats quickly during the song. Gotcha. So, like, for example, Scraped, I'll be singing back in vocals and playing my part and then I'll quickly jump to a whammy pedal and do like a quick riff that, that Buckethead had in there and then jump back and do something else and all in a matter of seconds. Gotcha. Yeah. Is there one song that you look forward to cranking out every night or when it gets rotated and thrown into the set list where you say, wow, this is the song that I really love to uh, solo on or anything similar to that? I've actually grown to enjoy playing the songs off of Chinese more and more as we did it live. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff, and I love when we grab random songs from there and throw them in. I would love to do that more. Um, there's a lot of songs like Catcher and and uh, what else? You know, also Shacklers, I wouldn't mind doing more Prostitute. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind grabbing some of those songs. There's a few songs off Illusions that I know a lot of fans are always requesting. Mm -hmm. That you know, I would love to do that for them. You know, give them the songs that they want to hear. You know, if if a thousand people write to me and say I would love to hear Estranged, mm -hmm. you know, kind of makes me say, hmm, maybe uh, it'd be kind of cool to do Estranged. So yeah, you know, I would just love to do with people. I would love to do what people would want to hear, and you know, if they speak. You know, I, I try to listen, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Okay. You know, hopefully as, as we 
keep on touring this next leg, maybe we could throw in more stuff. Um, don't know if we will. Don't know if that'll happen. But you know, I would love to. I'll play anything. Okay. Yeah. All right. Stepping on to your uh, solo stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, re-releasing the adventures of Bumblefoot 15 years later. 15 years later. Um, Holy shit, 15 fucking years. <laughs> Was this something yeah. you wanted to do, the label wanted to do? It's something I wanted to do since the album was no longer in print, and I had pushed the label, um, it's Shrapnel Records, I had a deal with them in the mid-90s, and after I got off the label, I uh, started doing my own thing, and they stopped manufacturing my albums and people were still looking for them and they would ebay them for like 150 bucks and things like that and they would all write to me saying why can't i get your albums like i can't get it either <laughs> and i couldn't you know if i wanted to copy the album i have to go on ebay and buy one right so so uh, um i remember at one point i contacted trapping on and i was like hey can i license the album from you i'll manufacture i'll put it out and i'll pay you Mm-hmm. But they didn't want to do that. They just wanted to kind of hang on to what they had. And and then last year, Shrapnel hit me up and said, hey, we'd like to put this album out again. We'll put it out as a digipack this time. Maybe add some some uh, bonus tracks. I was like, great, finally, yes. <laughs> and I worked with them on redoing the artwork. I mean, didn't really change the artwork, just changed some of the inside panels for the digipack. Because the original was in a jewel case, had a little four-panel booklet. And right. So now we added uh, five bonus tracks from a video game soundtrack I also did back in 95. We took some songs off of that and put them on the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I'm going to be, that's going to be available in August at my official web store, which you can either go to my official site, bumblefoot.com, B-U-N-B-L-E-F-O-O-T dot C-O-M, and <laughs> I spelled calm. And either, uh, yeah, you could go there and click on store, or you could go right to the place where it all is, which is baldfreak.com, and go to the store there. That is my official web store. It's at baldfreak.com, which is sort of my little record label that I'm a partner in. And everything on that label I've dabbled in, I've peed on everything on there in some way. <laughs> Uh, you know, whether I mix something or play it on something and just have some musical part of it all. And, yeah, so The Adventures of Bumblefoot CD, an instrumental guitar wanking CD from 15 years ago, will be available there. It'll be selling for $20. Um, normally, I like selling stuff for closer to 10 but um, that was part of the deal I made with Shrapnel is it has to be more expensive than their distro deal than you know what they're selling it in retail for so i'm selling it for twenty dollars every single one will be autographed and five of those dollars will be going to multiple sclerosis research so if you do want to show out the 20 bucks for that album five dollars of it will be going to ms research and i'll sign my name on it for whatever that's worth in case you do want to ebay it at some point and get 30 bucks for it so it's an investment and you're doing something good by uh the whole medical research thing so thank you right and, and you've actually that was one of my points i was going to bring up is you've actually worked with the ms research foundation for a while um when did you start uh working with them how did you get involved with them he was a very good friend of mine and he's still a very good friend a guy named ralph rosa he was a guitar player and uh he got diagnosed with it 
in 97 and it slowly had its effects on him and he decided that you know rather than just you know he, he wanted to do something about it do what he could so he started a legit nonprofit organization and all his families and friends his family and friends were all volunteers for it and that's it so there's no overhead and everything that comes in gets donated we checked out different researchers and went right to the labs looked in the microscopes get reports on what they're doing and and how progress is going and what direction they're trying to take things working towards a cure or just better ways of maintaining and uh, stabilizing wherever people are at with the disease. I mean, it's a very strange disease. There's a lot of different variations of it. Um, there's the type where you just get dizzy spells and then get remissions and things like that. And then there's a type that it slowly eats away at the shielding to all your nerves. And it's just a slow, steady progression that doesn't change. And over the course of years, eventually you're, you're bedridden. And you're still you, you're just trapped in a body where your brain says, all right, move this arm, and it can't get to, you know, the, the message does not reach your arm. Right. And I'm still very close, and, you know, just emailing before, we email every day, me and Ralph. And, uh, yeah, so we started, he started the thing, and, and I'm on the board of directors and help organize all the different fundraising things. Um, different dinner comedy events and concerts and things like that. And anything that's autographed <clears throat> on my site, or I take a portion of it and donate it to MS Research. Okay. So, yeah, that's how I got involved. Gotcha. Okay. That's, that's how a lot of people get involved with these kind of things is that um, just something happens personally and it makes you aware. Right. And then it just becomes part of your life and you know as each one of us you know unfortunately cross paths with those things in the world it makes us each aware and often we take on you know a little bit of the uh the calling right yeah so yeah that's that's how it happened so another reason to go out and buy the album help uh ms research foundation and yeah, anything at my site that's that's autographed, whether it's any of my CDs, photos, or merch, or anything, it all goes, uh, you know, five dollars from every single thing goes to MS Research. Perfect. And okay. it goes directly to the research. No overhead. Nobody's paying salaries to anybody. It all goes right to research. Right. Okay. And um, getting back to the album a little, there's also yeah. going to be a tab book that's coming out. Correct you are, sir. <laughs> the tab book, was that written back in 95, or is that something that you had to do homework on and put together now? <laughs> that I did after the album came out, um, not too long after. Well, actually, about two years after. In uh, 97, okay. I started working on it. I just It was just a labor of love. I wanted to do it. And I took every guitar track, every bass track, every single thing on there and just put them all on a cassette and just would listen to two seconds of the cassette with a guitar in my hand and write out what was done and then just um, typeset it with a software I had and did it for the musical notation, the tablature, the fingers, the picking, every single thing for every single note that was played on that album. And it took six months. 
Wow. Yeah, it was a big, <laughs> it was a big undertaking. And so now that the, uh, you know, it's just something I had just sitting, waiting for the right moment, if there would ever be the right moment to, uh, to put it out there too. And now that the book is, well, now that the album is coming out, uh, it's a good time to do the book as well. So right now I'm just waiting for a, uh, a physical proof to check out and make sure it's okay. And if everything is right with that, then we could go into manufacturing and have that ready as well in August. It's a 200-page book with a couple little stories and things about making the album. And, and uh, yeah, so it's definitely something for people that like the album, if they want to take it a step further and really dig deep into everything, the, the book is worth checking out. Okay, cool. And um, the other thing, or one of the other things that you sent along to me as well, mentioned that... Yes, yes! <laughs> mentioned that um, Guitar Suck was going to be on uh, Rock Band shortly. Yeah, right now that's in the final uh, bit of playtesting. They're just making sure that, that everything is right with it, and then it will be available at the Rock Band Network. You can um, download the song and play it. Uh, the expert level is near impossible, but the playtesters were able to pass it. So it is doable. The easy levels will be just fun. And uh, yeah, so that's the first thing that I'm putting out for Rock Band Network is the song Guitars Suck. And also been listening to what people have been saying about that. You know, that was the most requested song that people wanted at Rock Band Network. They also wanted a lot of different songs off of my last two albums, Normal and Abnormal. Uh, they wanted the songs normal and abnormal and the song turn around and real and guitars still suck so one by one we're going to be putting those on there at the pace that my authoring guy can handle getting <laughs> ready to go so yeah hopefully we'll be able to get a lot more stuff on there gotcha and i mean Dude. the the funny thing that you know i encounter when talking about things like this is that you have all these like old school people that uh, hate guitar hero or hate rock band but don't realize what a promotional tool it is nowadays without you know the backing of mtv and all these networks that existed 20 Who years the hell would hate those games those games are so much fucking fun damn when i was out in la rehearsing with guns every saturday we'd go over to our friend scotty slam's house and he had this big projector it would be like 20 foot diagonal screen <laughs> or just like it's this giant wall and we would play and just you know want to be on drums bass guitar singing and just playing that all night we'd just watch uh what the hell would we watch what do you call that the fucking extreme fighting shit fucking uh, ufc thank you thank you <laughs> retard i couldn't think of it retard um yeah we would just go there and watch ufc and then play good fucking rock band all night that right. game is great and that shit is so much fun and people get to hear so much music that they normally wouldn't get to hear. I mean, right. like younger kids that are hearing all of this music and get to interact with it and be part of it and, and physically connect to it and everything. It's, it's great, man. Right. Those games are the greatest thing to happen to music. And I mean, I think probably, you know, uh, five, 10 years from now too, we're probably going to see a big boom of, you know, new rock bands just directly uh, due to the fact that kids started playing these games and it actually got them to pick up a instrument, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, it's making music part of their lives, and at some point it may expand to the point that they just want to start making their own music. And I'm pretty sure that by the end of this year, you're going to be able to play the new version of Rock Band with real instruments. Oh, no kidding. So it's reaching that, that level. It is reaching that point. Right. Yeah, I'd seen some type of a um, uh, interface where you could take like uh, a Roland drum set and actually play it uh, on Rock Band similar to that. I didn't know that they had gone anything further than that, but... I think so. I think in November, Rock Band 3 um, or something. Maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Maybe I dreamed <laughs> it up. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that you can play it with real instruments. So someone's working on that. Gotcha. Okay. We'll have to... I should, uh... probably, I should probably check before I open my mouth. <laughs> and all I need to do is just like go on Google and check right now. But, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to spread rumors. There we go. We'll just yeah. have to keep our uh, ears to the ground and see if uh, if in November, like you're saying, it comes out or not. I know something's coming out. I think Rock Band 3 is coming out, and I know that they're expanding it where you can also have like keyboards in it now and, and a lot more stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> moving on to uh, a little bit of the... Uh, recording and production work that you've done. You were involved in the um, some episodes with um, Jesus Christ. I'm getting tongue-tied here. Mark Spiegel and there you go. Uh, Talking Metal on Fuse. Talking Metal on Fuse. What a great show that was. That was so cool. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, it's funny. What what other show? that's been out there music related can you see you know so many great jams with different members of you know various bands doing all these cover tunes yeah it was amazing i mean you know where do you get to see you know zach wilde just you know writing a song on piano right and piano with people and and members of of <laughs> exodus and anthrax and overkill and right and dream theater and well it's in this moment and and so many bands right jamming to all these different songs so it was really really cool well, how yeah. did you get involved in that whole thing uh, how did it happen was it one of the production people that i used to record her band and she asked me if i would uh mix the sound for I think it was like that. And also just, you know, knowing uh, Mark and, and John from the right. show. But I don't remember exactly how it happened, but somehow I ended up being the guy who takes all the uh, the feeds from the different instruments when everybody would jam. Mm -hmm. And I would run it into my recording gear and then mix it. So this way they would have something really nice to sync up to the video. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that for them. And then, you know, I had that one little jam with Zach on one of the episodes. And, right. and we uh, jammed at my studio, too, when I was still working on, on uh, painting the Swiss cheese room. Right. Big room with black holes in, uh, embossed into them. And, and I think that was the pilot of the show back in late 2007. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, so we did that and then jammed in, like, the big upstairs live room. And uh, what did we do? We did uh, Running Wild from Judas Priest. And it's mm -hmm. on YouTube. There's, there's some, uh, there's a, 
Yeah, it's definitely on YouTube. It was pretty cool. So I was playing fretless and singing, and and uh, John was on guitar. We had Frank from Guns on drums, and and Mark on bass. And that was cool, man. So you were there um, recording all of the episodes live, or was that something that you later mixed after all of the episodes were done? Um, I would hit the record button while they were playing. Okay. And, and then what I would do is I would go home and I would mix the stuff, and then I would email uh, you know, a stereo file to them to import into, the, into their... Uh, video editing software so that they could gotcha. have that to use and sync up. So I wasn't mixing it live, but I was just capturing the live feed and then I would mix it afterwards. Just when I was at the studio, you know, with fresh ears and and in that environment where I could make sure the sound was good. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. you got to see all of or got to hear and see all of the extra tracks that never made it on the air or <laughs> all of that stuff yep <laughs> good bad yep, indifferent <laughs> five takes a run to the hills i got a bunch of takes of uh, uh evan seinfeld and the spiders jamming to to cool songs and yeah it's good stuff cool is there anything that came out better than you expected you know when they started putting some of these lineups together um a lot of them were really good i liked what was it uh trying to remember what was good yeah the zach thing was pretty cool mm -hmm. that, that was kind of unexpected because i thought he was just gonna jam to a song and that would be it and to have him write something and on piano and all it was just a pleasant surprise and he was a fun guy to hang out with i think it was like 13 or 14 hours hanging right yeah cool so that was good was there uh, anyone that you felt was more difficult to work with than what you had expected um, if so, I would never say, because <laughs> I don't want to make anyone look bad. But honestly, no. Gotcha. Okay. Everyone, honestly, everybody was cool. Nobody was a dick. Everyone was real, real easy to 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 do that stuff with. Gotcha. Okay. Is there anything left for you to conquer that you haven't within the music industry? Oh, a million things, shit. As you know, it's an endless thing. You know, the day you lose the hunger to do things is the day you really start to suck. Right. Um, you know, that that fire has always got to be there, and and you got to keep it there, and just got to keep that fucking yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's a million things I would love to do and be doing. I mean, there's you know endless amounts of stuff from you know making new music with guns to making new music of my own to making music with other people i just want to make music man and that's it plain and simple i just want to make shitloads of music and there's you know it's just a race against the clock to you know to get things done and there's never enough time but that's really it i just want to i mean i've wanted to do an instructional dvd of some kind for years mm -hmm. uh i would love to be doing you know any kind of little things that i could do um yeah i just want to make more music if i'm not making music i feel like i'm fucking suffocating i need to do it need to otherwise everything builds up and if it doesn't explode it implodes and then i start doing bad things to myself so yeah i need to just keep making music 
Gotcha. So people out there listening, please help Ron not do bad things to himself. Make sure that his schedule is booked past 2011. Oh, dude, it is. It's I got four years of shit on this fucking to-do list <laughs> that I've been waiting to get done. Seriously. Seriously. There's, there's years of work on it. And it sucks because I'm at a point now where I'm turning away more things than I'm saying yes to. Right. And I have so many people that are like, please, you know, play on my album. It's like, damn, man, I can't. I just can't. I don't have the time. So, it, yeah. Is there anyone that... Um that you haven't played with say someone that you grew up idolizing that even if your schedule is as booked as it is, you'd part the seas and make sure that you'd record something for them. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, so many, where do you begin? Uh, <laughs> if Paul McCartney said, Hey, let's write a song together. You better believe I will drop every fucking thing and, and be there. Um, if Mike Patton wanted to do something, you know, if Axel sends me a text in five minutes and says, dude, you know, fly out. Let's work on some shit. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, that list could be very long. And, and it's hard to predict what could be on that list. It's usually things that come out of nowhere that you don't expect. Right. Someone might say, hey, can you write a song for this TV show? I was like, I would love to. And you just have to make hard choices. Sometimes you have to put things to the side that you don't want to put to the side or say no to people you don't want to say no to, but you just right. have to make choices and say, look, you know, this is something that I really have to do. So I'm going to do this, even though I don't have the time, I'm going to make the time and I'm just going to get backed up on everything else even more. And you do it. So, yeah, I mean, and that happens, you know, it's like every time I get off tour, I might have a month or two where I have to squeeze into everything I needed to do while I was on tour, plus all those things that pop up. So, yeah, man, it's just a big race against the clock all the time. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And here's a uh, food-related question that has to do with the uh, area that uh, that you're that's listed as uh, where you're located. Um, there's a sandwich that is a famous sandwich from. Oh, uh, you were talking about the fat bitch and the fat cat and all those things from the grease trucks. There you go. I have never and will never eat those fucking things. Those things you take one bite and and your cholesterol goes up like four hundred. <laughs> no way, man. I'm, you know what? I dropped ninety pounds. I'm staying that way. You know, one bite of that shit and that's ten pounds. Another bite, and that's another ten. Fuck that. I ain't doing that to myself. It ain't worth it. I'll gotcha. stick to, to carrots and snow peas. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, I know about those famous sandwiches from the grease trucks over at Rutgers. And I'm happy to say I've never had one. And I ain't going to have one anytime soon. You know how hard it is to wear a 30-pound double-neck guitar around your neck for two and a half hours running around a stage wearing a leather jacket in Brazil with, with lights on you as well? You can't do that if you're going to eat shit, man. you got to stay healthy. Right. There's no, you're, you'll just fucking you'll conk out. So it makes being on stage too difficult to not take care of yourself. So, yeah, you got to constantly... You got to eat well and exercise and stay on top of your shit. Otherwise, you're just not going to have the energy to make it through a show. So, yeah. So you will never see Bumblefoot up on stage looking like uh, Elvis in the 70s. Um, well, you might, but just not <laughs> anytime soon, hopefully. 
You know, I mean, I might, you know, put on like the the white suit and grow sideburns like that and gain a few pounds. <laughs> but and even that, I mean, yeah, I was six years ago. I was ninety pounds heavier. Nine zero. Ninety. Right. And, and, you know, that just happens from sitting on your ass in front of a computer for, you know, 140 hours at a time, just recording a dozen bands all at once for two years straight. And they're bringing in White Castle and all kinds of food and stuff. And, and yeah, that's how that happens. Um, and then one day you stand up, you know, like, what the fuck happened? Holy shit. And then, you know, you just straighten your shit out and you, you, kick yourself in the ass and do what you got to do and and get healthy so yeah so i've been there it's not like i don't know what it's like to be a fat fuck um <laughs> i certainly know what it was like i was quite fat and pretty happy too i gotta say i enjoyed being fat it was good the fuck man the buffets the pe- there was this pizzeria every wednesday night at 10 p.m., they would sell off all their specialty slices for 75 cents each. I would go there with 20 bucks and bring home two dozen slices of all kinds of shit. You know, like, just like, uh, like, like ziti and vodka sauce pizza and, and chicken joints. Just like the greatest shit. And I loved eating and I still love eating. And man, did I love being fat. It was good. And if I could do it again, I would do it. But I can. I got responsibilities now, you know? Right. But, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed being fat. I highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> it was a good time. The all-you-can-eat shit, you know, you walk in there and you see everyone get nervous, like all the people that work there. It's like, all right, right. We're, about to run, we're about to run out of sashimi. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good times. And I still got the appetite, but now I just work it off. Right. Although I got to say, when we were in Brazil... Mm-hmm go to those Brazilian barbecues where they're just bringing legs of the animals and slicing off pieces for you endlessly. Yeah. Um, I was 10 pounds heavier by the end of that fucking tour. <laughs> I was. And it's that easy to, to fuck your shit up. Right, right, right. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Um, deep inside me, there's a fat man waiting to come out. <laughs> he's gonna. He's gonna come out again. And he's gonna be one happy motherfucker. And he was going to enjoy, he's going to have a face covered with, with barbecue sauce and, and just like, you know, striations of meat under his fingertips. And it's going to be fucking great. And I'm going to die one fat, happy motherfucker. But until then, uh, I'm going to keep my shit in check. And, and uh, I'm going to make sure I've got the energy to do these big GNR shows. Gotcha. And, and you, yeah. have, you have to go with the pizza because... Possibly pizza and sour cream were the only two things that I miss food-wise living overseas because you can't get a decent slice of pizza over here. So, Yeah, man. I got to say, New York and New Jersey, we got some good pizza. Absolutely. <laughs> My all-time favorite place. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I'm always talking about this place. It's called L&B's. L&B. L&B Spumoni is the place where they made Spumoni ice cream back in the 50s. And on uh, 86th Street in Brooklyn in Bensonhurst, or right around Bensonhurst. Yeah, I think they're in there. And uh, greatest fucking shit. You got to order the Sicilian. And it is the best fucking pizza you'll ever eat. And I've been talking about that shit to the guys in Guns for the longest time. And when we were playing all the the New York acoustic shows, Mm -hmm. finally, um, there was a a G&R fan. And I was like, I tell you what, bring a whole bunch of pies 
of the LMBs and you can come to the show and I'll get you in. Mm-hmm. So when we played like the second, you know, that, yeah, when we played the second acoustic show that wasn't really open to the public, I had him come for sound check and he brought, you know, a stack of highs and everybody freaked. They loved him. They were blown <laughs> away. And, you know, they were so happy he was there with that piece and they loved it. So, yeah, I'm telling you. L and B's. If you want just a regular slice, just at like two in the morning, go to go to Joe's on Seventh. Was it right by Carmine? I think. Or if you want to sit down and have something a little different, you know, go get a pie at John's on Bleecker. Mm-hmm. But but if yeah, man, yeah, pizza, pizza. I'm having pizza tonight. Fuck that. I'm having pizza. <laughs> Let the fatness begin. I, I hope that uh, this interview does not become the uh, the starting the point. <laughs> yes, this is the beginning, the beginning of the end right here. <laughs> Bumble fat. So, yeah, as we were talking about food, one thing that I do want to do, and I briefly spoke to the people at Blair's who make uh, some really extreme hot sauces. I want to put out my own line of hot sauces because I am quite the spice spicy food hot sauce aficionado Ah. and i have an extreme tolerance that i've built up to the point that my organs can barely handle it (laughs) um yeah so that's one thing i want to do is i want to put out my own hot sauce and hopefully the kind people at blair's would be so gracious as to uh be interested in in uh going in on that and if not them you know if anyone else would be interested, but I did speak to Blair's, and hopefully we can work something out. Cool. So that's something I need to, to touch on again and get back in touch with them again. But if not, definitely uh, check out some of their stuff, like Blair's 3AM. It's not even a hot sauce. It's a food additive. It's just the hot in the hot sauce. It's like the hot <laughs> without the sauce. And you just, you know, they say, like, put one drop into a four-quart bowl of chili, and it'll spice it up. Mm-hmm. And me, I'll just like, you know, I'm at a point where I'll just put a drop in my mouth. <laughs> and, you know, with whatever I'm eating, it's like at that point. So, yeah, I've built up an extreme tolerance. And <laughs> actually, Axel was saying on the last tour when we were hanging that he wants to put me on some show on the Food Network. He wants to talk to them and see if I can get on there. Where it's like man versus food or man versus <laughs> beast or something like that. Right. And it's to have me... uh do the uh, the hot sauce eating stuff. Do you have a, so, uh, a name for your future sauce? Um, well, I had two choices. One was called Bumbelicious. That would be the mild one. And then Bumblefucked would be the hot one. <laughs> so there was that. Or I was thinking that after the, you know, the Bumblefoot album's normal and ab- abnormal, I could name them that and have like, you know, Bumblefoot normal sauce would be mild and Bumblefoot abnormal sauce would be spicy. So I got to see what people think. It's definitely, uh, you know, I'll see uh, if it's reaching that point. If things do move ahead and it reaches a point where it's time to, where the source is there and it's time to name them, I'll see what people would prefer. Uh, Bumblelicious and Bumblefucked or, <laughs> or normal and abnormal. You could always it's put, the, uh, you know, the, those other names in parentheses. True. Could do that. Or I could put out four sources. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So I'll work it out. I'll come up with something. So not only will Bumblefoot be conquering the music industry, but also the condiment industry. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. And the last question that I have for you is um, how many times do you have people try to interview you that still try to give you the old, uh, shall I call you Mr. Thal, Mr. Foot, or Mr. Bumblefoot? Or does that normally not take place anymore? Oh, no, that happens pretty much at the beginning, every time, usually they'll say, you know, what do you like to be called? I'm like, hey, call me whatever you want to call me, whatever you're comfortable with, you know. Call me Ron, call me Bumblefoot, call me Mr. Foot, call me, you know, anything. You know, my mom will call me Ronald, but usually when I'm in trouble, if I do something to embarrass her in a public place. I'm always embarrassing my mom in public places. Still do it. So, yeah, and that's when I get like the Ronald, you know. Like one time we were at some store somewhere and uh yeah my mom just wanted to stop in a store so it was like me my wife my mom and my dad and i saw it was like you know a bunch of douche in the store so i just went across the store holding it up hey ma they got douche with a big smile on my face and she was like holds her head you know like the whole store goes silent and they look at me and i have this like big stupid smile on my face looking at her holding this big thing of douche and and she just, like, puts her head in her hand. She's like, God, <laughs> my wife is cracking up. Because <laughs> she's used to doing, you know, be doing fucked up shit like that. Right. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> things like that. So, so that was a Ronald moment? That was definitely one of those moments, yeah. <laughs> is, is Ronald exclusive to your mom? No. <laughs> no, I've been... On other occasions, my wife might call me that if I'm misbehaving. <laughs> yeah. So she, she she jumps in on the gags, but you could also cross the line with her as well. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes. <laughs> some, you know, we'll be hanging at some, you know, after party, after a show or something like that. And I'll do something, you know, extremely inappropriate. Just like Ronald, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I've, I've, there's been a few of those moments. I think it was like our second date where I like took her to the Staten Island Zoo, and they're just like, I just, I took my cock out and just started <laughs> around the zoo with my cock out, and she's like Ronald. So it started even back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're just trying to get her, you know, used to things early on. Um, I just, you know. I'm just a fucked up dude, man. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I just got to entertain myself. I don't know. We probably shouldn't put that in the interview. We will edit, we, probably, we can edit that out without a problem. <laughs> um, nah, fucking leave it in. <laughs> Fuck it. That's, that's what we call too much information. But, hey, you know, it's an interview. You know, you're supposed to... Say what's on your mind and what you're feeling and what you're thinking. Otherwise, you know, otherwise it's a news blurb. There you but go. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, on occasion, might have teetered on crossing the line with my loved ones. <laughs> but you know, they're used to it. <laughs> they're used to it. That's what I do. And yeah, keeps things interesting, I guess. There you go. Yeah, and sometimes I do it on stage too. There, there's been a few. Times when just, I don't know, something came over me and for some reason I just had to like, you know, 
do something. I remember one time in in uh, Canada, we finished the show and and everything was great. It was like a nice ending to a really good show. I was like, good night, everybody. And then I just walked up to my mic and I, I grabbed my my shit and I just screamed into the mic. I was like, this is my cock. And the whole fucking audience went silent. Like ten thousand people just like went silent. That was like real proud of myself too. I don't know why the fuck did that. I don't know why, but I I just you know what I felt like doing it and I did it, and it just felt like the right thing to do at that moment. You know, and then later I was like, why the fuck did I do that? But yeah, you know, sometimes you just gotta go with your instincts. Just gotta go with your uh, your impulses, I should say. Sometimes I do crazy impulsive shit. There you go. So another reason to go see Bumblefoot with Guns N' Roses. You never know <laughs> when he'll be yelling, this is my cock on stage. <laughs> but a lot of times I'm saying shit like that. There's, uh, you know, we have you know, a lot of mics on stage, and one of the mics, there's a little uh, button on the ground that if you press it, the stuff in the mic goes to the ears of the crew, and they right. hear what I'm saying. So every once in a, yeah, every once in a while, I'll just step on that mic and just start singing and saying things into the microphone that only they hear that's like completely fucked up <laughs> and just like wrong words and just bashing things and just saying all kinds of fucked up shit into the microphone in the middle of a song on stage and no one has any idea and the audience is <laughs> they're enjoying the show and I'm saying all this fucked up shit to the crew and just singing all this fucked up shit and they're just cracking up and and I just look at them and smile, and then just continue on my way out to the wing of the stage with a big smile on my face. And nobody knows anything. And Yeah. <laughs> and there you have people probably in the audience going, hey, Ron's not mic today because he's saying all this stuff and we can't hear it. <laughs> well, what I'll do is I'll do it while there's backing vocals going on. People think I'm singing vocals. That's usually what I do. Like a lot of times doing Heaven's Door. Or something, I'll just like go into one of the other mics and hit the button and just, you know, start saying all kinds of shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So if you're a uh, lip reader, you could be in store for all types of surprises at a GNR show. You're a lip reader and you can see my lips, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? They do it to me too. Like, I'll be in the middle of my guitar solo. You know, I'll be doing whatever I'm doing, whether I'm playing, like, you know, the little Don't Cry sing-along thing or playing, like, now I've been doing the Pink Panther theme. Right. And I'm doing that, and then Axel goes into that mic and starts saying shit so loud that I can't hear anything, and I'm fucking up all over the place. I can't hear what I'm playing or who I'm playing to and with and anything, and all I hear is Axel just, like, saying all kinds of stuff to try and fuck me up. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So I'll be playing, I'll be there, you know, do 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 and then suddenly I hear just blowing my ears, do 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 hey, so uh, <laughs> just like start saying all this fucked up shit. And I'm just like playing, and you just see me start laughing and just like mouthing curses like, you motherfucker, because it just totally fucking me up. <laughs> so yeah, so that, that's what goes on. A whole lot of that. Or a lot of times, what song is it? Um, yeah, Night Train. 
Right. Yeah, I'll be back in vocal to Night Train, and my voice is all torn up, so I'm just like, Night Train! And I'll be doing that, and Phyllis will be facing away from the audience, facing me, and just like screaming at me, just kind of like imitating me, just going like, Night Train! At the top of his lungs, and, and just I start cracking up, and I can't sing anymore. Yeah. And he gets me every time, and as soon as I see him like face me, immediately I'm fucked. I'm like, alright, I can't sing. And he's just making me crack up. So <laughs> a lot of that shit goes on. Definitely. So so see that people think that GNR is such a uh, serious band. You know, Axel got shit for being serious or whatnot. And there's all these shenanigans going on while they're on stage. Well, who, thinks, who thinks we're serious? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, you know, we, we take what we do seriously as far as like, you know, trying to play our shit right and and not fuck up the songs for the people and, right. and give a, a good show and everything i mean we we give a fuck but but we definitely <laughs> yeah yeah and then you know every once in a while one of us you know besides being you know having fun and stuff but every once in a while one of us is just pissed off beyond you know able to get out of it you right. know, and it happens to any of us. As I've seen it happen to Tommy. It happens to me. It can happen to anybody. You know, where you're just so fucking pissed about something and you can't, you just cannot break out of it. And you can't put it aside and there's nothing you can do to hang it up at the door and get through the show without it affecting you. Right. And you know, there's been a couple of times that's happened. Um, yeah. So, shit happens. You know, it's just normal shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that uh, previously when you touched upon a a point that I don't remember right now, but a lot of people don't realize that you guys are people too. So, you know, all different types of things affect you guys. (laughs) It's it's pretty real. Like, you know, whatever people think, whatever people's perception is about it, it's pretty fucking real. And that's it. Right. Whether you know whether you don't want to acknowledge it because you don't like the fact that it's called Guns N' Roses, though you know the lineup has changed over 20 years. You want to see lineup changes? Go you know go on Wikipedia and look up Thin Lizzy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know there's bands that have had lineup changes beyond. Right. And, but I guess there's just something so special about the relationships and the personalities through the years that when somebody leaves this band, you feel the loss more because you're losing the personality, whether it was, you know, original members or, or, you know, guys afterwards or whatever it was. So, yeah, yeah, because you start feeling a connection to not just the songs, but the people that are delivering. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's understandable. Um, I don't like getting shit for it. You know, it's not my fault that, you know, <laughs> right. You know, I can't change the past and, or, you know, my thing is to just give the people a good show and right. hopefully in the future, maybe give them some music too. Um, but yeah. Well, so, I think the guy that had the best analogy, I actually was lucky enough to speak to, Gary Sharon years ago after um, he had left Van Halen and everything and he was being interviewed. I think Eddie Trunk was interviewing him and he said, (laughs) you know, for all the shit that he caught 
when he joined Van Halen, he said there is no one in their right fucking mind that is offered a job to be the lead singer of Van Halen and says no. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, exactly. It's like you can't change the fact that somebody else left and that yeah. something ended. You can't change it. So either you let it die and you say, well, let me see what I can bring to the future of this and let's make some music and let's yeah. fucking, you know, celebrate and pay tribute to the past and the songs and everything that brought us up to this point and do something for the future. Right. Yeah. So that's that's really how I look at it, you know. It's not like I'm trying to replace anybody. It's like, look, it's dead. It ended. Mm-hmm. It's over. And from here on, either the world can refuse to take part in any future, or musicians can get together and make music. Right. And so we do. Right. So you know, and when you know, look, nothing is forever. Mm-hmm. So when someone else leaves, that will be dead and over and ended too. And then something will continue after that. And I mean, that's just how it is, you know? Oh, it's, it's no different than, uh, you know, any other person that isn't involved in a band. See, a lot of people maybe put, you know, members of bands up on a pedestal or something, but they don't realize, you know, it's the same within everyone else's life. When you leave, you know, a job or whatever, just because, uh, you know, and not to insult anyone with this, but, if someone stops cooking burgers at McDonald's, no one sits there and says, fuck, you know, they're fucked. The Big Mac's never going to be the same because Joey's not, you know, frying up burgers anymore. You know, actually, Joey was really good at frying up burgers, man. <laughs> he made a killer fucking burger. And <laughs> the new burgers have never been the same without Joey frying them up. Personally, I prefer flame boiling above the frying. Um, <laughs> Just, you know, I just think it, it adds a better taste to it. Although the sauce, if they can flame boil the patty and use the McDonald's special sauce, mm-hmm. you would have one hell of a burger right there. But I digress. Um, yeah, so that's the thing. I mean, yeah, you know, it's bands change their relationships. I mean, right. look, look at us. And now imagine being married to one of us. Now imagine being married to a bunch of us. Right. How long is that going to fucking last? Come on. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the fact that it lasts at all is wonderful. And if anything can come out of it and music can be made and, and things can be accomplished and magic things can happen, that's fucking great. Right. Um, yeah, but, you know, eventually all things come to an end mm-hmm. and that's for any any band you know i'm not just talking gene i'm talking everything every band whatever it is you know and then at that point either you start completely fresh or you continue forward with whatever you were doing and mm-hmm. whatever your involvement was in it and that's it um all right i think the main issue that people have with a lot of the stuff about the changes that have occurred in the band is the fact that it keeps the same name. And for me, I usually refer to the band as GNR and not even Guns N' Roses unless someone says, hey, can you do a station ID for me and say, this is Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses. But usually I call the band GNR. And it's not so much that I'm doing it out of respect for the past. It's more that I want to give respect to the present and acknowledge the fact that we are a different band and we are an original band now and we have our own set of music that 
has been written and recorded and performed by members that you're seeing right now. And I don't want to be in the shadow of the past band. We are a different band. We should be acknowledged as our own band. And that's why, to me, calling it GNR does that, at least for me, personally. By calling it GNR, it's a way of separating and saying, that was Guns N' Roses, and it morphed over time, and now we are this new thing called GNR. And Chinese Democracy is the first GNR album to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And the touring that we do is as GNR, and hopefully there will be future music from us. And that's that's kind of my whole thing about it. I mean, also, uh, I don't know. I've I've heard so many people comment on this. I personally don't have any problem with the name, similar to what you said, you know, with Thin Lizzy and stuff like that. I mean, I grew up a huge Kiss fan, you know, so. Mm-hmm. You know, how many members went through that band? How, how many bands out there stayed the, you know, original people that made the band up? You had the Beatles I mean, and Led Zeppelin, the, maybe, you know? The Stones had a limited amount of changes. Um, yeah, Led Zeppelin, The Who, uh, Queen. Uh, yeah. But, you know, some of them, they don't want to stop. They want to keep on going. Right. So when they keep on going, you know, they get someone else. I mean, look, you know, the Cherry Peppers had a lot of guitar players. Mm-hmm. Um, Priest had a lot of drummers. Yeah. It happens, you know, and, and sometimes you just don't, you know, if one person leaves, why should you stop making music in the band that you still feel is your band? Right. So if you continue it and you've been there the whole time from day one, then I think that you have that right. But unfortunately, you know, you also have to deal with, public perception and the truth is what people perceive their truth to be mm-hmm. so that's something that comes into play and that's something that shouldn't be completely ignored and to me just saying you know GNR is a, a happy compromise <laughs> between the two you know <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's, that's how I feel about it um, I don't expect anyone to agree with me or, or feel like anyone has to agree with me, but that's my own feeling about it. Gotcha. Okay. That's the, that's fair enough. I mean, I've, I spent the time and, uh, read one of the books where they dispute the whole, um, name of the band and everything else. And, you know, uh, again, I think it comes back to a lot of people not realizing that a band is a, relationship and you know some things are personal some things are business related and and as you said you know if someone wants to leave you know doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you should just stop doing what you're doing just because someone doesn't want to take part in it anymore so i mean things happen you know people leave for whatever reason people die Mm -hmm. shit happens um what it boils down to is right now think about now and think about you know the immediate future Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking that I just want to give people the best show that we can give them. Right. And show them a great time. And, and uh, I love it when the next day, you know, as people are writing on Facebook and just saying, that was the greatest show I ever saw. Or, you know, a friend of a friend's son, it was his first show that he went to in Puerto Rico, and it just inspired the hell out of him, a 10-year-old kid. And, mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, for some people, it really makes a big difference to give them that moment something special and just something that they looked forward to 
and just were bombarded with a lot of energy that was exchanged. And it's it's just one of those good things. And I like giving people that. And and that's really that's that's all that matters. Call call the band whatever you want to call it. Just right. enjoy the show. That's <laughs> there I you think go. In the end, people tend to overthink things and look for issues. Just go to a show and enjoy it. Simple as that. Right. Be happy with what you got. <laughs> yeah. That simple. Could be worse. You, you have you touched on death, for example. Um, imagine somebody trying to take Dio's band out now without him being there. You know, at least yeah. with what you guys are doing, you know, it's not as if someone's trying to take advantage of a situation and just strictly make, you know, money off of it. There's a very integral piece still involved that really can't be replaced. So yeah, it doesn't read, doesn't fucking read. There you go. <laughs> oh shit. He's been there for like tw- almost 20 years, right? Uh, yeah. Since, uh, use your illusion. So, um, that came out in, uh, what? 91, 92. So I'm assuming like he, he didn't get drafted into the band, you know, a week before the press pictures were, were done. So you're probably right. <laughs> about 20 years. So yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's yeah, that that's it. You know, people tend to, you know, call whatever the band is called right now doesn't take away from anything about what the band was right. or is or anything. So, so yeah, just have fun at a show. Drop the baggage. Drop the bullshit. And just have fucking fun. Enjoy yourself. Right. Let yourself enjoy life a little bit. Simple as that. Gotcha. Yeah. Hey, this is Ron Bumble for Fall of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
that is meat by Bumblefoot had to at least uh, uh, let the song go until that solo came up. Those tones are just so unreal. I mean, they're ungodly. So for anyone, going back to my reference, my uh, Joe the uh, Hamburger Fryer at McDonald's, for anyone crying for Joe the Hamburger Fryer at McDonald's, there's no way that Joe could get those tones out of his guitar, all right? So, you know, I, I understand people have a certain affinity or a certain connection to certain lineups or certain albums, and, you know, that's cool. I mean, I think Appetite for Destruction is probably one of the greatest albums to come out, uh, you know, since, since definitely the 80s. So, I mean, that album came out in 86, so we're looking at... Um, you know, 20 some odd years later, 24 years later after uh, Appetite has come out. So, you know, I understand people have uh, a certain type of gravitational pull to that album and that lineup and whatnot, you know, and that's cool. And those songs will live forever. But, you know, similar to a sports team, similar to what I kept touching upon the interview, you know, uh, it's all relationships, you know. You don't end up hanging out with people that you went to kindergarten with, you know, uh, eventually you move on to elementary school and middle school and high school and college and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, uh, you find a job and people move on, you know, things don't always work out. And, you know, unfortunately things didn't work out with GNR. Will we see the original, you know, appetite for destruction lineup back together again? Who knows? Who knows what happens, but in the meantime, as uh, Bumblefoot said, enjoy what you got, you know? Um, you go to see them live, um, you see all the videos up on YouTube, you read all the reports, you know, uh, what they're doing right now live absolutely kicks ass, and I look forward to see them a little later on this year, wife permitting, uh, obviously, uh, for those of you that don't know, have my hands full at the moment wife is uh, pregnant with our first child. Uh, Been very interesting with um, just a lot of different things uh, that have been transpiring. Been seeing a whole lot of doctors and things due to different things that have come on. So I've been wearing a a lot of different hats uh, currently. And outside of that, um, uh, in the process of buying a house. And unfortunately this week... uh, uh, was um, was let go by my company due to uh, the economic situation that a lot of us are, uh, uh, you know, facing. Um, you know, I just figured to everyone that's out there, you know, um, I don't want to look at this in a in a bad light because I know that there are some of you out there that are worse off um, than I am, and you know, I have a lot of things in the future to uh, look forward to. In any event. Behind me, currently you'll hear Abnormal, the acoustic version coming off of the album Normal by Bumblefoot, and um, what I want to do is just uh, remind you that you can um, download previous podcast episodes from MarsAttacksRadio.com, you can find links to the Twitter account, the MySpace, the Facebook, sign up for all that good stuff. And um, for any of you that understand Spanish or just want to check out other cool stuff, uh, you have links to my Fusion Sonica 
podcast there as well. Uh, there's also a link to Metal Army America, site that I write uh, different types of reviews for. And uh, obviously you also know about uh, Talking Metal and the Talking Metal Wire. I am privileged enough to uh, be the only one outside of Mark and John that uh, add posts to the Talking Metal Wire. In any event, I want to thank Bumblefoot for coming aboard. Um, The interview is a little over an hour. We talked for uh, quite a bit longer. Um, but, you know, this, <laughs> this was the, um, how can I put this? This was the stuff that we sort of agreed to air. There's a lot of other, uh, tomfoolery that we spoke about that, uh, really doesn't matter <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I also want to thank Mark Striegel for helping arrange everything. Uh, you know, once I heard that GNR was coming over here to Spain in October, you know, I did want to, uh, you know, track down Bumblefoot and hopefully uh, work something out. Um, you know, if everything goes as planned, hopefully we'll have a return interview with him in the early fall. And uh, that's pretty much it. Um, what I'm going to leave you with is the track Dash, which I've been playing to death lately. Absolutely love this song. Uh, would be absolutely cool to have a tab for this song to uh, figure out how to play it. Although, I uh, can't say that my uh, chops would probably be uh, up to par to playing the song, but hey, whatever. There's always uh, plenty of time. Well, I'll have plenty of time now um, to figure out how to play the song. In any event, thanks again for listening. Just so you know, we have uh, plenty of exciting interviews in the coming weeks. Check out the ID chain at the beginning. You'll get clues uh, as to, uh, you'll find clues as to who else will be joining me on the show shortly. Again, thanks for listening, and see you next time.